Blog Talk Radio. Eight. 
Tonight, our special co-host is Cherie White from Covington, Tennessee, an anti-bullying advocate and the author of three books, who uses her own story of being bullied and gaslighted to help those enduring the same abuse today. Quote, in sixth grade, I began a long lesson in the human predator-prey dynamic and a battle for my dignity, safety, and my very soul, unquote. At first, she took the physical beatings, name-calling, and abuse. Cherie was a victim of what is called polyvictimization. In just six months, she went from being a kid who always made the honor roll to an angry and bitter girl who made only C's and D's. Quote, who could concentrate on schoolwork? she asks. Cherie attempted suicide at the age of 14. Quote, because I felt powerless, I began to bully those who were even weaker than me in attempts to grab back some of my power, unquote. On these radio show episodes, we welcome various co-hosts, survivor professionals who assist in fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call-in participants. Their trauma-informed perspectives as survivor professionals will help them guide discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that spring from questions and topics brought to us by our listeners. Everyone's invited to engage on tonight's show. Please visit the NASCA.org website. Or, of course, you can listen on Blog Talk Radio. Or you could just call in and listen over the phone. Uh, The number again for you to call is 646 595 And I'm Annie. I'm here with Victoria. Give us a call. And we are waiting on our guest host, Cherie. She's not here yet. And so we will um, just start without her. Victoria, do you have any idea for a topic we could begin with this evening? Well, it sounds like we're talking about bullying tonight. Um and okay. yeah, I have some experience, quite a bit of experience on that. Uh, I'm not bullying, but All I'm right. being bullied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh I, dear, I don't you know, like to share on that experience. In. Well, one that I could remember I was really young. I was like four years old, and I was over at the playground, which is right over the from where I live. And uh, there were like six boys, six or eight boys. I can't remember exactly, but they put her around my neck and then kind of twisted it, and then there was either three or four boys on, teenage boys on each side pulling it and were choking me. Oh. And, yeah, and when they finally let me go and stuff, I ran home and uh, had, uh, like, rope burns into my neck, cut into my neck so bad. And mm-hmm. uh, to this, this day, I still, like, can't even wear turtlenecks or anything. Because I'm always feeling like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, if even a necklace was too tight on my neck, you know, or moves a certain way on my neck, it's like I feel like I'm that, you know, that flashbacks or whatever, feel like I'm being choked again, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you could even 
hear the heat. Makes sense. My voice is just saying it, you know, and I think that happens a lot when we tell our stories. You know, even if we told them a lot, sometimes a lot of those feelings come racing back, you know. Just, mm-hmm. just the trauma mm-hmm. and fear. And my brother was sitting on the fence, and he was a year and a half older than me, which wasn't very old, you know, because I was four, so he was five and a half, six, maybe. And uh, anyway, um, my, he got beat from my grandma by not protecting me from, what, six or 18 inch boys, you know. Uh, he, I can just remember kind of looking at him, and he was sitting there, like, frozen, you know. I don't know what you expect him to do. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, and then um, I don't know. School was always horrible. I was always, I was always bullied in school. You know, called names, spit on, and tripped. And my last name was Shepherd, so I'd get kids running, you know, behind me, taught me in the, you know, uh, sheepdog, sheepdog, bah, bah, and bang at me, and just saying all kinds of horrible things, and. Then I could only take a bath once a month at my grandparents because we, we had to pay for our water and sewer. And uh, so I always had mm. bad body odor, you know, and was brought to the principal's office or the counselor's office, I guess. It felt like the principal's office. <laughs> and, and said, you know, hey, kids are complaining that you see, you know, they smell really bad. And I'm like, well, you can't really do nothing about it, you know. And and that was just, yeah. oh, well, <laughs> oh, well. Nobody really did much with, you know, and uh, um, but yeah, it it was constant on being in. Matter of fact, um, I hated being in, um, um, like, um, you know, when they had uh, you could take study hall instead of classes because the teachers in those study halls yeah. never really paid attention to the kids, you know, so they they teased me in there. So I made sure that that was one year, and I made sure that. I had classes, everything class, so at least there'd be a teacher in there to, you know, monitor a little bit better. <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. I'd go home and my grandparents were drinking on the weekends and very abusive and alcoholic and, you know, just totally dysfunctional, of course, you know, generations. And, uh, you know, so it was like, you know, being home, being at school, I just didn't like either. <laughs> It looks like Cherie has come on. Is that you there, Oh, Cherie? fantastic. Great. Yeah, it's me. I'm so sorry Hi. I'm late. Right. We're here. Glad to have well, you. Well, I always say you're right on time as long as you show up. <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> yep. You're very welcome. I, I'm in the intro anyway. Okay. So you're our guest host tonight, Cherie, and so uh, oh. do you have, like, a special topic that we're going to talk about tonight? You know, I haven't, uh, uh, you know, with it being Christmas, uh, I don't know if, uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen uh, Home Alone, and uh, it, yes. it's one of my favorite yeah. movies, and, uh, but... You know, when I first saw the movie, which was back in 1990 when it came out, uh, I noticed that, you know, poor little Kevin, he couldn't get a break. And uh, 
basically his brother Buzz would would uh, basically bait him into a reaction and then get him into trouble. And I think uh, that's uh, one of the hallmarks of uh, basically what bullies do is they bait, bait their uh, their targets. into a reaction, and then they turn it around on them. Are you there? Hello? Yes, I, I understand. Hello? Yeah. Yes, I can hear yeah, you. I thought, yeah, I thought I had lost you guys. We haven't been getting very good reception up here. But uh, oh. anyway, uh, the uh, the movie is, it's still funny. I love it. I love the movie. It's not triggering to me. But I remember when I first saw it, and I still watch it every year. It's part of my, my yearly Christmas routine is to watch Home Alone and uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I just love the the Christmas classic. And... uh <laughs> And uh, we, uh, you know, a lot a lot of us don't talk about sibling bullying, and which was, mm-hmm. you know, certainly the case in Home Alone. And, and I, I can tell you, I, I hate to say it, but I can tell you that, you know, I was the old, oldest sibling, and uh, I bullied my brother a lot when we were growing up. Granted, he and I are close now. I mean, we're we're close as ever. But I was a mean little kid back then to him. <laughs> Pardon me, you guys. Well, I, I have a cold. No, no. I noticed in your uh, bio here that you said um, in sixth grade you began um, a long lesson in the uh, human predator prey dynamics. So what happened, was that some, um, I, I wasn't clear on, so did uh, child abuse happen then and then um, um, and then that began or? Um, no. Um, I know you're part of NASCA, so I was just wondering if you might want to talk anything about, about your childhood or. Well, know. I, you know, I was. I was molested by a babysitter when I was three years old. And, uh, I'm sorry. Honestly, it seems so, it seems so, so long ago. Uh huh. Have you ever read that book, My Body Remembers? Our body does remember all that, you know. Uh, did you say, uh, was it the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score? Oh, that's it. Yep, yep, yep. That's I have right. read it. Uh huh. I yep. have read it, and man, mm-hmm. I learned. I, in fact, I read it uh, earlier this year, and uh-huh. I learned so much. Yeah. You know, our our minds may forget, but our bodies don't. Right. Right. Well, and then child abuse too. You know, it. They've even you know proven now that it changes the chemical balance or the, you know, chemical whatever in your brain. Uh, it, uh, and and it, uh, our reaction is different than people who have been experienced child abuse. 
Right. It's, you know, as a, just as far as our reactions and stuff, you know. Um, my mom was Why? totally abused by my biological father and her second husband. And, um, you know, then, then she just said, you know, I'm never going to let a man hurt me again. I'm never going to let a man hurt me again. So she just turned it around, you know, and said, you know. Right. You know, I'm taking the power instead of saying, hey, maybe there's a healthy relationship, you know, that can be had. Uh, Why? Because we just seen the two sides, you know, the black, so black and white, there was no gray area. There was no, you know, maybe there is some healthy relationship because she was never modeled it either, you know. Right. Well, I, was molested by a ba- I was molested by a babysitter when I was three years old. And I, yeah. I think if if my family had had found out about it, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure my family would have hurt would have hurt the babysitter. Yeah, things might have been different for you too. They might have reacted. They would have. Uh, but you know, uh, I was a kid. I never told them. Sure. A, a lot of survivors don't tell. Matter of fact, I've met women in their 40s and 50s and and older that say, you know. You're the first person I ever told. You're the first person right. I ever felt so telling, you know. And and they right. are wearing all this guilt and shame, and it's just like, you know, you didn't feel safe to tell anyone, or you didn't. It didn't even cross your mind that if you told somebody, you'd get help, you know. Right, especially not when you're three and four years old. Of course not. And then if you go back and look at the developmental stages at three and four, I mean, you know, before the age of before the age of five is when you're really your whole personality and everything develops, you know. And and right. so if you know you're getting abused at that age, um, you know, that that's information that your your mind stores, whether you remember the incidences or not, your mind stores that. Because I was sexually right. abused, I was sexually abused um, before the age of one. And um, the only reason I know that is because I got a, uh, my mother sent us away when I was a year old on the train and I went to live with my grandparents. And years later when I was in the state hospital, I found out um, from my grandmother that when they when I came to live with her, um, I'd crawl around on my hands and my knees and get in the corner and start shaking and whimpering. And they took, I said, Did, you know, I had to drag it out of her. But she said that, you know, the doctor said my vaginal opening was too big for a child of that age. Of course, they didn't use the word sexual abuse back then. I think my grandma said something like, somebody messed with you, you know, or something like that. Right, right. And the only one that had access was my biological father as well. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, and then he kept coming back into my life and checking me, you know, because, because um, you know, and then the other thing is, you know, being bullied at school and all that, and, and then your family, my grandparents, you know, weren't, you know, my grandma, she was bullied all the time as a kid, too. So her response was, well, you know, I just figured if they picked on me, they left somebody else alone. So that's kind of what I internalized, you know. Like, it was my job mm-hmm. to let them bully me so somebody else wouldn't be getting hurt, you know. So right. I didn't, they never said, like, you don't deserve that, <laughs> you know, at any point. And my self-esteem was so bad that I couldn't stand up for myself. Right. Protect- so you said that you've, you, um, so uh, you wrote a book, and it, does that have to do with bullying? I'm curious. You could tell us a little bit about your book. Uh, 
Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I'm I'm a little under the weather. But, oh, uh, goodness. Anyway. You just share yeah, what I've, you want. We can all have a conversation. We don't, you know, just have to focus all on you as well. But just share what you like. Right. You know, if if I if my voice cuts in and out, I've I've been sick today. But oh. anyway, uh, the first the first book I wrote was uh, from victim to victor, and it's a chronological account of the bullying I suffered in school. And uh, you know, I I went through so much. I had to I I had to basically put put the things in the book that I remembered the most that affected me the most. And when I wrote the book, it was, you know, it it was like a weight being lifted off my shoulder because I finally got it out. I finally got to speak my piece. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the book was all about. It was about, you know, it, it was good therapy for me. I got to say what I needed to say. And uh-huh. at the same time, you know, it. I wanted to write it to help other bullied, other people who are bullied today. Uh-huh. Well, I appreciate that you're doing that because, you know, there are a lot of people that still don't have words even to put into what happened to them, you know. And, and by you sharing right. your story here and, and through your books, um, it gives other people, you know, words to describe their own abuse and, and, you know, to understand what they've gone through if they know that, you know, somebody else has dealt with that as well and come from right. one place to another, you know, and kind of growth is, can be encouraging if you see somebody else that, that's made progress, right. you know. And uh, I was reading this one thing on writing, and it said, you know, um, you're writing for yourself, and if, you know, other if other, it can help other people that that's good but to, you know the main thing is to write for you you know if you're Absolutely. writing for the world then you're going to lose yourself right you're trying to you know try to impress the world so so i i appreciate that you said you wrote your experiences and how they affected you it's really important for us to do that i think about thank you so much yeah well, thank you Cherie, we have another person on the line with us tonight, and I'll bring that person on. Hello, Kathy. This is Anna speaking. Would you like to have a question? I'm doing great. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Yes. Okay, I didn't know. I'm listening to the beginning. I I called back again. Um, Bullying uh, happens in siblings all the time. But I tell you what, uh, I think many of us at NASCA will know that if you tell your family, it doesn't do any good. So I don't know that uh, I would have had any, you know, help from the family to keep me from being abused. But, you know, bullying, uh, I remember my brother, a year older boy, he, he was told, don't hit your sister, don't hit your me. But he'd get up there and put his hands right in my face real close I'm not touching her dad. I'm not touching her dad. Boy, it pissed me off till I finally, you know, smacked him back or something. But uh, I did, even though he bullied me at home, I, I did have, um, and my sister and I ha- did have the 
protection, if you will, of the big brother because he wouldn't let anybody bully us at school. So that was helpful. But, um, yeah, it's bad uh, the way kids bully and gaslighting. You know, those are those are not good things, that's for sure. And uh, I wanted to call in and support Sherry because she's a good gal. And hi, Victoria. And hello, Annie. I hope everything went well, well with you guys. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Um, yeah, I was wondering whether I had to mute it again because the dogs are barking like crazy here. It's cold, er, and we're going to get a bad storm. So uh, hunkering Where down for the winter. Kathy? I'm in central Maine. It's not too bad yet, but they're talking about super winds this weekend and uh, akin to the storm we had before, which left us without power for days and days. But we've got the generator, and I made sure I lost my husband uh, early last year. But I was fortunate that my grown son came to live, and he, he's decided to stay. I'm so happy. So he uh, does the snowplow, and he runs the tractor, and he starts the generator. And you know what? He can cook. I'm just so lucky. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, really? So um, I've been uh, busy this holiday weekend, make, uh, you know, week making my baklava. I've got to pass it out to people. Oh, I love baklava. Yeah, something I do at Christmas. And, I'll uh, give you my address after the show. <laughs> yeah, I think I've still got it, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but I tell you what, we ha- you know, it takes a while to make it, and then I have to bake it, and then I have to cut it and put it in all the little cuppy cakey things. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Yeah. I learned how to make it, and I'm like, oh, my God, I love this stuff, but come on. <laughs> I know, you think we Greeks would figure out how to make pastry that would flake without having to put all the flakes together. You know, like yeah, the French yeah. do. Yeah, you kind of wonder. <laughs> but we got to put them all together. Wonder. It's it's good. I wonder about yeah. our ancestors, you know, like what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, you know, they were, so, but it is true. You have to learn, and I think that perhaps some of the sibling uh, bullying that happens in the picking, order picking, almost like when you have dogs, you know, they get into a little scuffle in a fight and they get their pecking order and who's the alpha dog and who has to follow, you know, it just sort of kind of runs into it. But I think that it's, I think it's important that we get that strength, hopefully, as children and aren't knocked off kilter too often by other, not that it's not an extreme abuse, but other abuses that cause us to have to struggle a little, but Victoria is absolutely right. There's uh, many, many years before people, and I have had the same as she has, people's first time they ever said it, that, you know, traumatic sexual, and I hate to call it sexual abuse. Let's face it. If you're an adult and you're, you know, messing with a kid, that's rape. That's child rape. That's, uh, you know, that's not Absolutely, that's right. Let's not mince well, well, words. Well, I, I say molestation. If it's if it's um, touching, you know, um, uh-huh. if it's if it's uh, sexual, it is rape. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the touching yeah. can be easily grooming toward the rape. You know, that's the beginning. You know, but oh I tried yeah, to make a definition. Oh. But when I got away from my biological father, you know, they they would ask me stuff, and I would say, well, then he made love to me. And, and people oh. would just, like, freak out because of saying oh. it. But you know what? He made me say those words. They were drilled into me that if yeah. I didn't say it that way. 
then it would be terrible consequences. Right. You know? And and I didn't even know that I I was coming out and saying that, you know. I went and had a therapist that said, you know, that is not making love that's right. And I just went, you're right, it is. You know, like, you know, you wake well, up I, sometimes and people say words just a simple I sentence. Think, I think as children, we... we or at least I did, and I've heard, you know, kind of the same thing, even though you knew it wasn't making love. But there's this underlying thing of to protect your family. It's terrible, you know, but, I mean, of course, I, I was convinced at, you know, eight years old that I had agreed to all of this. <laughs> you know, I, I agreed to all of this, of course, because I was groomed, and by that point it was like, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't. I, I was doing a little secret game, and it was all fun and all this stuff. But yeah, no, it was it was rape, and it was just child abuse, and uh, in other ways besides the sexual. But it was uh, certainly something we all have to to go through. I, I, here's the dogs. So if I have to mute it, I, I will. Sorry, but uh, I used to say I didn't get my sexual compass was a skew until my mid thirties. You know, it's all kinds of different things you go through. But I'm but still working on I'm sexy. Right. <laughs> well, I think I think I'm retired now at seventy, so I'm ready to roll. Me too. <laughs> Take it easy. Plus, I Not think me. when I you get older, you don't give a shit as much. You know. I just turned sixty. I've never felt better physically, spiritually, or emotionally in my whole entire life. And now Wonderful. it's my time to start living. <laughs> yes, right. I know you got a new you got a new place to live. I I don't know if yeah. Cherie and Annie know much of of you know your changes yeah. you've had this past I think yeah. this year and a half or so. Wonderful, wonderful. You know that's great. Yeah. January and you like one it. year I, I've been living in this house, and if I would have got kicked out of the last place, which I tried because of my service animal, I had to get a disability law attorney. They bullied me there. For yeah, sure, I think and um, you know, and uh, um, I get a disability lot. If they'd have kicked me out of there, it'd be my twentieth time homeless. I think it takes getting older before you finally uh, find yourself. When you before you finally get your full confidence back. Yeah, well, well I mean, it, I I just I just couldn't, you know, mentally, I just couldn't. Um, you know, I, I, like my son said, mom, you know, I want to get, I'm thinking about, you know, getting, get invested property in Minnesota and maybe you would live there, you know, could you live with dad? And we haven't been together for years, you know? And I'm like, yeah, okay. So we go back to the eight club. People are like, oh, you're back together. I'm like, no, my son can't afford two houses. Yeah. <laughs> well, aren't you sharing the, pro- aren't you sharing the place? Yeah, with my former pro- husband. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. He's just, you know, yeah. he just lives there. He's probably good for both of you, you know. Oh, it is because I don't drive, and oh. and you know, he's he okay, had a brain tired. surgery. He had brain surgery five years ago. Oh, well, and you know, I think my kids just thought, you know, we both are, we both neither one of us had a good place to live. He was living in a little room in my daughter's house. He called it his jail cell. <laughs> And they didn't feel comfortable in their home. So, you know, we both needed it. Mm-hmm. And my son said, Mom, you know, I know you've moved a lot. He said, yeah, that would be my 20th boat or my 20th, you know, time. And he says, um, well, Mom, he says, um, I'm just worried that if I get you in there, you're just going to pick up and move. And I said, Rick, the only reason I've ever moved is for because I was abused 
or I end up in a nursing home or assisted living or something, you know, something like that, or just outright homeless. And, it's not you know, like you wanted to and, meander. It's just that things happened and you had to move. It wasn't, you know. Yeah, it wasn't like, yay. Yeah, so, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So um, that's why I was better, I'm better now physically, emotionally, and spiritually because I told him that. My son goes, really, Mom? You know, after I lived here a little while, really, Mom? And I go, yeah, Rick. I go, I have never, ever um, had any stability my whole entire life. Support? And I said, stability. Did you say support? No, stability. Stability. I'm sorry. Thank you. No, no. No stability my whole entire life. You know, I never, ever felt because I was, you know, given up by my parents. I was told they didn't want me. My grandparents said we had to take you. You know? And, And, yeah, I just never felt like, you know. And I said, I've never had stability my whole life. And I said, and besides, right now, I have a wonderful landlord. <laughs> That's good. That's so I'm good. talking to my son, you know, tell him I have a wonderful landlord. It's him. <laughs> my family had a, we had a foster sister. Um, mm-hmm. She was a year older than I am, but she was in the same grade in school. And mm-hmm. uh, what was it? Third and fourth grade. So she was with us for two years. She was bullied. And I remember... Uh, Cherie was saying earlier that, you know, you were the oldest and you bullied lo- down. I didn't want to bully her, but there was a couple of times when I did. I mean, it was, everybody was bullying her, and I felt like I I couldn't be one of the out people. But she, it, it you know, and my brother had finally later said, the other brother, the, the eldest brother was the rapist, but the other brother had even said that, that it's one of the greatest things that he regrets is the way he treated her. But she had a, you know, she had a father, and I guess her mother passed, so she was really only in our home for a short uh, of her life, two years, and then he remarried, and she went back to a mom and a stepmom, so she wasn't really in the foster care. She wasn't in a, which you hear terrible things. We had a, 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 a Nazca guest who I've talked to. She moved to Maine and married a guy in Maine. She wasn't here. She's from Kenya, and she... Uh, talks about and of course it's it's terrible here we've all heard the stories of kids who are in the foster system and this home and that home and so they don't they don't want to move either right victoria but they don't they don't really have a choice they're kids like well, you were you know yeah and it's tough on them but uh she's working real hard with stability of those children that are in there's so many orphans there in in uh homes you know and just they're, they don't have uh, the safety that, not that you really have it here. I think sometimes it's a false perception that we're in the United States and this stuff doesn't happen here. Well, yeah, it does. Oh. And, you know, and certainly um, I can see why people that are, I was, I was meandering. That's why I mentioned I've lived here longer than anywhere else, by the way. I've been here 18 years. Oh. So that's nice, but I I didn't want to put roots down for men at all. I, I uh, uh, at high school I pretty much left and kept moving, 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 and I mean out on the road, hitching, stopping it, and and moving on. It just just going and for years. It was it was different way of coping, I suppose. I I haven't heard a lot of people that have gone through that, but it was you know. It was quite an adventure. Maybe if I had a little history knowledge, I would have been able to see the different countries and places. But I, uh, I had a great time, and 
and I made it through, but I learned a lot, and we all do. And then you get to a point where, you know, you get to stay up in this nice place, and I don't know how many years I have left, but I, I don't feel as though I'm not ready to go if, yeah. you know, <laughs> if the time mm-hmm. comes, it's going to, because uh, it was tough. Uh, I had my husband here, and 32 years of wonderful marriage, and he was diagnosed with terminal inoperable cancer. and It wasn't mm-hmm. a really good outcome. He lasted three years after that diagnosis and mm-hmm. uh, put him down here. But, yeah. Annie, have you, have you experienced bullying in any ways or seen, seen people a lot close to you? I was wondering if you've uh, experienced bullying or have seen people close to you that have been bullied and what like your reaction. Yes. Yes, as a child, my mother bullied me terribly. I was the middle kid, and I was a girl, and I just got the brunt of her anger. Um, Mm. I think it was also because my dad was sexually abusing me, and and she blamed me somehow. That's what it seems Mm. like happened. Oh, my Um, goodness. But she would... Yeah, she was a big bully. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up marrying men who would bully me around because that's what felt comfortable, right? That's what looked like mm-hmm. love to me. Mm-hmm. And then, and yeah, then I do. even at work, I was bullied at work, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And, yeah. And, yeah, I was. I was, just I was reading say, this one thing I, about, I, I, about, like, when you go in for an interview for a job, you know, um, you know, they're looking for a particular person, the type of person they want, which usually is a person that has been victimized, you know, um, and, and they can pick up on that. So a lot of people get hired just for the fact that they want that unequal relationship, you know, and I think that happens in relationships, too. I think we blame ourselves too much. I think that's what I was going to say with relationships. Right. So much, but the thing is, is that I really believe abusers are really good at what they do, and they pick us because they can, you know, do a little bit of something, and we don't see the red flags because we were taught red flags. You know, we can say now because we get back a week and we learn. You know, and like I tell people about regrets, you know, you only did what you did. With the information you had at the time, and so did I. I only did what I did with the information I had at the time. And I got bad information, and I was outright lied to. <laughs> so how am I going to react? How am I going to function? You know? I, do, I do hear that a lot about, uh, and it's uh, you um, go into these relationships because you've been tolerating them as a child and um, have marriages that are horrendous. You know, we've had some learn how to say no. we don't learn how to say that's not okay you can't treat me that way we yeah. don't learn things we don't learn healthy relationships i so, think that's so one of the reasons why right and the reason why that is is because when when uh when like you're you're being abused as a child or bullied in school even I mean, you can have a wonderful family. I certainly had a wonderful family, but I was being bullied at school. And when you're a kid, you spend the most part of your day being in school. 
So you're taught not to defend yourself. They condition you to take more and more abuse. And after so many years, you get out into the world and you still haven't learned to to stand up for yourself. Well, I'm going to tell you. The world will teach you with a strong stick. I think that my time on the road, when I, uh, I, you have to, uh, you begin to notice those red flags. You have to for your life to save your life because people, you know, out on the street, out on the road, you know, they're in in it for themselves, and so was I. I didn't want to mess anybody over, but I wanted to eat, sleep, and stay warm, you know. And uh, right, it's tough. I mean, you have minimal minimal desires, you know, minimal needs, I should say. I didn't need a relationship. But you, you do know real quick. No, I'm not. In fact, I can remember. I, I don't know if I told the story before. Um, I had heard from another girl, well, if the guy, you know, you get a ride and he's not taking you where you want to go. And this was, of course, well before your electronic locks and cars and all this stuff. Just take the right. keys out of the ignition and toss them out the window, and the guy's going to have to, you know, straighten his car. He needs to be more interested in getting his car and his keys, and you get a chance to get away. So right. I did have, I did, she, you know, I did have a plan, if you will. Of course, things don't always go according to plan, and I couldn't get the keys out of the ignition. You know, he's fighting, trying to take my clothes off, and I'm having none of it. And uh, we were fighting in the truck. And he, I tried to get the keys. I couldn't get the keys because they were pointed in the wrong direction, you know. And he's kicking me. And he finally pulled over to the side of the road, slowed down a little bit. Well, I should say a little bit. And he opened his door and kicked me out of this moving truck. But at least I got away for a little while. Mm-hmm. For a little while. But then he pulled his truck over, just passing what? Well, what can you say? God's looking down on me. Of all the places to throw me over, I guess they had worked on the wire or something. I know now a little more about trees, but they he threw me over, and I rolled down, and I my clothes were ripped. We had quite a fight in the truck, and I was getting pierced, my skin by these burrs and in, in this brush, and it was really horrible. And I'm out. I got to the my I was burning. I got to I was pissed also. <laughs> I was very pissed at this guy, and uh, he. I thought he was going to leave me there, and he stopped, and he walked a little, you know, a little bit back, and I just stood there, and I'd never seen the Incredible Hulk, but I think that's what I felt like. I mean, I thought for for a while I said, boy, these these. Uh, Stickers I got must have some kind of drug or something, because not only was my skin burning, but I was burning from the inside out. And he tried to come down. He didn't roll down the hill. He took his time, and I'm standing. There's nowhere to go. I'm in the middle of nowhere, second location in the woods, okay? (laughs) And he looked like he wanted a little more than a piece of, you know. He wanted, in my view, it was me or him. And let me tell you, I'm here and he's not. But that was quite a thing, and I I found out later that then I'm thinking, oh, Jesus was looking at how could I how could I toss this guy all the way around and throw him on the floor? How could I do this? But I did it, and I guess that's what happens when you want to save your life. But then I so I figured these things must be drugs. Somebody's got to 
find out about these real super strength stickers or you know or you got to pray to god or whatever but then i found out, out about adrenaline and it will happen when you're in that kind of situation and that's yeah. the that's the only explanation but people ask right. me and i don't know he didn't come he he started to move at once and i tried to get a piece of wood to hit him with but it was stuck into the brush because in hindsight I look well that's what they do when they clear the trees they take them and they throw the brush but I didn't know that I know that now but I tried to get it was tangled and I pulled it and pulled it and it kind of hit like where he was lying and I just and it and it slipped out of my hand and I guess hit him in the head or something I went running up the hill across the street and wanted to go the other way start hitchhiking you know his truck I had to get my backpack out of his truck I mean to tell you Anyway, and then I took off, but uh, people had asked, you know, well, you know, did you kill him? I don't, I don't like to think I did, but I can assure you I didn't stop to take his pulse or call 911 or whatever you're supposed to do. I got picked up by another guy going the other way. Well, you're supposed to do is survive. <laughs> yeah, you got to do. You got to do, but I didn't. That's but right. supposed to do. Yeah. But I'm going to say, you know, you learn. I, I, I had picked up on this guy earlier, and uh, I knew I knew it, you know, so I was just watching, watching where we were going. And as soon as we weren't going where we were supposed to go, and I started acting up. But it was really rough in that part of the world. And, uh, you know, so it wasn't in this country. So it was certainly something I knew I wasn't going to be able to defend myself on. If I did, mm-hmm. go, you know, I'd have been locked up somewhere. But I'm yeah. out. You know, so it, but, you know, you live and learn. And so I think maybe... That and other experiences, as we all have had, has kind of given me the uh, understanding that, first of all, if you've got another moment, you're blessed, and uh, you got to do what you got to do in the moment, you know? Absolutely. So, so I, I guess, and like I said, while they did try to bully us through school, and I saw some bad things, um, I did have the one brother who... I could remember this poor kid. They used to pull up our skirts. You know, we had to wear skirts in the recess, the boys. Well, I guess about fourth grade, maybe. I don't know what it was. And uh, they said, don't mess with these girls, man. Their brother beat you up, you know. So I guess he had given them a hard time. But I do remember one poor kid, and he was, I guess, had polio. So he had crutches, but his crutches gave him this extension, you know. And so he could he didn't have to get too close to you, he could pull up, pull his pull your skirt up. Well, I took his damn crutch when he tried to do it for me and he's leaning up against the wall crying and they're all calling to me about how mean I was for taking his crutch. And I said, Next time he gets it near me, I'm gonna take it again and beat him the head over it with so you know, I was a little bitch too, so but you know, maybe because I did have you know, I did have that part family, like you were saying, Sherry. You had a great family. There was a lot, even though there was sexual abuse, there was still a lot of family um, siblings as we grew up. You know, but yeah, and my mama was bad too. She she was a jealous bitch. It's terrible. So, but anyway, I'm sorry. I'm rambling on to my story. It was a hell of a story, though. I tell you, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. How you survive? <laughs> so, Charlie, I was going to say, um, in in your experience, um, so um, I have a situation with my grandchild, who um, identifies as non-binary, and oh, has God. been don't, getting don't even go there with me. Okay, I... can I please talk? 
Yep, so, I'm sorry. Sure. So anyway, um, they're getting teased at school, and school's going to start, and we were over there for dinner, and, and Luca told me, um, um, Grandma, um, this kid at school, he's always um, teasing me and a bunch of other kids, um, GLBTQ+, and black children, and this and that, and the kids are going to the principal, and the principal is not doing anything about it, and other kids that are watching it, they're so upset, they're going to the principal, nobody is doing anything. So Luca said, if that kid comes near me and says anything, I'm going after him. And I said, look, do not do that. And, and Luca goes, I go, you're going to get yourself in trouble. I don't care. They can lock me up. I don't care. And I turned around and looked at Luca. I said, listen, it, it would hurt Grandma so much if you were in juvenile detention because somebody was mean to you and you reacted. You know, I said, please, please don't do that if you can walk away. You know, it's not right. They're not protecting kids at your school. They should be doing that, you know. And um, anyway, so I was really worried about going back to school. And I called my daughter a couple of days after school started, and I said, you know, how'd school go to that kid, you know, and Alicia says, no, I, I realized who the kid was, and they're our neighbors, not probably directly, but in the neighborhood. So she said, I just walked over, knocked on the door, and the mom answered the door, and I said, tell your kid to leave my kid alone and I'm home. <laughs> and, and I was so proud of my daughter because it could have went so many worse ways, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. but sometimes the parents can go over, you know, like my grandmother, I knew I was being bullied because I came crying every day. So she called the school and told the teacher, and they basically just said, you know, kids be kids, you know, and some kids are get they, bullied and some kids bully. <laughs> you know, basically they, they didn't use those terms back then. Are they teasing him? Are they still teasing him? Um, them? No. That one child isn't. But but look at the one that identified as non-binary is no longer being teased. Um, by that boy, but by other kids, yeah. Oh. <laughs> what do they do? Because cause I I just think I just think that a child's gender identity shouldn't be even shared in school, let alone discussed, because it's well, just... Well, Luca doesn't dress feminine and, and gets bullied for that. Well, yeah, okay. my best friend growing up is lesbian as can be. I tell you what, the games we played growing up, they were, you know, there was nothing sexual, but in hindsight, oh, there was no doubt about it. I mean, tomboy, 150%, and she's uh, been married to her wife for I don't know how many years now, but yeah, and uh, and I had a lot of tenants. Mm-hmm. Well, I was married. I was married to a woman too, and and to a man, but um, you know, um, at the same time. No. Oh well, no. some people are. No, some I wasn't. People, some people no. have polyamorous no, relationships. My, you know? my first husband I left because he picked my daughter up at five pounds and started shaking her, and and oh, God only knows how I got her away from him, because um. He was screaming at her and shaking her like a rag doll, and I whipped around the corner because he was saying, shut up, shut up, just shut up. And she wasn't crying or anything, and I went in there, and he just was, like, shaking her like shit. And God only knows how I got her away. And and I did. And the next thing I remember, I was sitting in the middle 
of our upstairs was our apartment and the downstairs was the bar where like he was selling our food stamps for half price and he was you know um, back that up again. say it again victoria i missed it you were upstairs and what was happening well that was our apartment was up there and uh-huh. he was you know i had gotten her away so i was sitting in the middle steps you know between the, our upstairs apartment and the bar downstairs where all his buddies were and the bartender oh. used to buy all food stamps for half price he'd sell them because he was doing drugs, you know, it's like he didn't eat food. I lost 50 pounds when I was pregnant, and I delivered it at seven months. So oh, my. I was, I was doing well, you know. Hmm. And when I found out I got pregnant, he asked me what the gynecologist did to find out if I was pregnant. And I told him, he goes, oh, you go there to get off? And so I couldn't get no prenatal care either, you know, because that's just the way oh, he was. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's just the way he was. And so, anyway, you know, I just, the quickest prayer, God help me, help me, you know, he's going to kill me, he's going to kill my daughter, you know. Like, so I went back up, and I just went to bed, and he just left me alone and left her alone. I fit, you know, fed her, of course, first. And, uh, anyway, um, and, and like, when, after I had her in better homes, she had been in the hospital two months until she got to five pounds, you know, and, and he wouldn't let me go see her either. So I had all that, and she hadn't been home, I don't even think, a month, and because uh, she had to be five pounds before she could come home. And so the next morning I wake up, and uh, out of my mouth, out of the middle of nowhere comes, if you don't get a job, I'm leaving you, which was, like, totally ridiculous because he, like, watched me all the time, you know, everything. And and in his f-stop mind, because he's on drugs all the time, he thought I was going to leave him if he didn't get a job. So he got a job, and guess what? I left him that day because I knew he couldn't keep a job, you know. But but I was going to protect my daughter, but it was like all kinds of stuff was happening to me, you know, not not mm. physical, you know, but um, but it was happening, you know, things were happening, and he was, you know, a uh, total narcissist and, and wouldn't let me have friends and didn't want me to see my family. Yeah. Just go for money, you know. And and so anyway, you know, I called my friends I hadn't talked to in over a year, you know, and they're like, where have you been? What have you been doing? Where are you? You know, I said, here's my address. Get over here and help me get the hell out. And what was weird is I wanted to be fair when I left. So it's like one spoon for him, one spoon for me, one pot for him, one pot for me. I mean, it was just like insane when I looked back. <laughs> like, but I, I didn't remember. Want, you know, and I even, even left him in the car hoping to get the hell out of town, but he didn't. He stayed out I remember. in the middle of us and, and slept in his car in the middle of winter out in Minnesota. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. I just wanted to know if I was – I had this little mute button. I wasn't – I was going to say that I had a – I had – this is my second marriage, my 32-year marriage. I had a marriage earlier, and I had, you know, started noticing things after a while. We, You know, we had a kid, and it was planned, and – you know, anyway, um, he lied. <laughs> there was no reason for him to lie. And I told him, I said, look, I, I'm not going to be married to a liar, so I, I'm going to tell you for the next 90 days I'm going to be looking for a lie. I don't care what it is. It can be trivial, but you better be honest with me because if you lie, you're, uh, you know, you're out of here. And, of course, I had lived already with nothing, so I really wasn't worried too much about that. I was no way was I going to let my son go. You know, he was, wasn't was even three yet. But uh, he lied, and I told him at that point, 
don't pay any more bills, don't do anything, take what you need, and get the hell out. And he did. He did. But I uh, let him always see our son, and, you know, he, he at three years old, he, he was, uh, he paid support for a while, and then he was off. But I think he was a little surprised that I put my foot down so strong, you know, about that. I didn't even care. Take take. In fact, I had a friend come over, and I said, you know, he's going to take stuff. Please keep an eye on him. He actually unscrewed the chandelier above the dining room table like he needed it. I, okay, <laughs> I guess I can get another chandelier and not have one. I'm certainly not going to fight over that, you know. But I, but I did, and uh, I have no regrets. I ended up renovating the place into three apartments and made triple <laughs> what I would have. So it was great. Anyway. Um, I guess it was just, and I went through a heck of a lot before I, but I did put my foot down, and I didn't think, I said, look, he's three when we broke up, and I said, if I'm, till he's 18, I don't need to have a man in my life as a partner, so I was perfectly willing to be single, but then, I guess when he was almost 10, um, I married Carl, and it was wonderful. I couldn't believe it. I said, man, first I told him, I'm not single, you know, and he was real surprised. And I wanted, you know, I hadn't even told him I was a mother. I've got a son at home, you know, but we worked out great. He was absolutely, and I was blessed. We were blessed with another child. So I have two beautiful boys, and the eldest is now living with me, and he cooks. <laughs> and, he's learning how to, and he's learning how to do this snow, and we're preparing for the windstorm that's coming this weekend it's supposed to be a horrendous time hope no trees fall on me that's or my car oh no i know my car's in a safe place but you know it has a flat tire anyway wow yeah it's supposed to be a bad storm we're gonna we're supposed to be getting some of it too and it's, uh it's yes yeah, the center of country yeah. that cold's gonna hit way down center of the country we're not gonna get as yeah. that till later but we're gonna get wind Seventy mile an hour wind. Yeah, tomorrow well, we're supposed to get eighty. down here in Tennessee. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm in down Minnesota. Here in we're supposed to get eight. We're supposed to get eight inches of snow tomorrow. Are you? Wow. We just, and we're in the morning with the Christmas lights. <laughs> and and well, my you guys get snow up there in Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota's going to get snow. We we just got our cover. We won't see mm. the grass till the spring thaw. That was when I yeah. first moved to Minnesota. It snowed, and I went, this friend said, we're not going to see the grass till the spring thaw. And I said, the what? I mean, I'd even been in northern or northernmost uh, latitudes in the world, mm. and it wasn't that cold as in Minnesota. And then when I mm. moved here to Maine, and they all thought I was from the central Atlantic states, they're thinking, Oh, you're a wimp. You're not going to handle it. And I said, Yeah, I live four winters in Minnesota. I went, Oh, they they'd back up and go, Oh, oh, okay. Well, I, I, we here. It's cold over there. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, cold even there. even in Texas, even in Texas, when like just a little like faint snow was coming down, schools were closing. People oh, were they driving. Freak out, don't they? <laughs> oh God. You know, I'm like, What are these kids coming home for? Don't you, <laughs> <know>? <laughs> My you know what they had me do in Minnesota? They said, and I was, I was so ignorant. I had a wonderful time though, learning by doing, right? And they said, look, the wind blew, and the and the snow is off. It's just nice ice out there. Let's go driving, and you take your car down the boat ramp, 
and you drive down the lake. I, I'm behind the wheels of my car. You know, what an idiot I was, right? But everything worked out. Yeah, let's go and then floor it. So I'd drive and then I'd floor it. I'd go sliding and sliding. What are you going to hit? These lakes are enormous. <laughs> oh, it's fun. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do it again, and I'm not going to do it out on my lake. But, yeah, up in Minnesota, they drive trucks and have a little little. Towns oh, out there, ice fishing. Out. We got fish houses out there on the lake. Yeah, they look like little, little towns out there. They, everybody's got their own spot. They park their car next to yeah. a little fish house. Go inside with a wood window. Yeah. So <laughs> back something. in um, back in the Great Depression, when when the ice froze, um, they built little like shanty houses out on the ice. You know, people didn't have places to go, and and so my grandma came out here to the really nice lake out here where people had fish houses and and um um that's what she thought they were you know <laughs> she says they used to call yeah they i don't know what they called them but she said oh those are such and such camps you know my grandfather yeah. says no they're fish houses people out there fishing well, you know the house <laughs> i moved in <laughs> the house i first moved in had a had a water cistern a big it was really cool look you picked up the uh trap door and it's just like this you could put a couple of you know recliner down there big you could stand down it was a big uh all surrounded with brick and i guess that's where they put water and then where the porch was was the where the ice box was and the guy would come in with a chunk of ice they get from the lake and stick yep. it in the ice box that's why they were called ice boxes so you could right. keep your right. stuff cold, warm but my yeah. grandfather had a job delivering ice when he was a kid yeah. And, and they had to carry that around to the different houses, you know, and on on a rope. And then they had ice ice chips, you know, or ice picks. And they, you know, chopped ice if somebody wanted them too for extra extra right. money if they, you know, chopped up the well, ice. Well, I love I love the uh, uh, the cold didn't bother me as long as you can get inside and be warm. You know, I mean, even outside if you dress up. But um, the vast beauty of the lakes and the pines in northern Minnesota. I spent several months up there canoeing. That was just absolutely wonderful. But one of the things I didn't like about it, and that's about a lot of places, not just Minnesota, is it was too flat up there. So I, I like places with a little hills and stuff. So people had told me, have you ever been to Maine? That's kind of like this, but there's a lot of lakes. Oh, uh, yeah. They they got a lot of lakes. I live on one, but not as many as Maine. <laughs> I mean, as Minnesota. But we no, got, Minnesota we, has 10,000 lakes, but we don't call no, it, it that. It has, call it, 20, it has at least 20,000. It has at least 20,000. Half the they call lakes in Tennessee. They they call yeah. puddles in Minnesota. They yeah. don't even have them. <laughs> you know, yeah. Minnesota is a sponge. I call it Minnesota anyway. And, you know, because a lot of people here are Norwegian, so it kind of sounds like that. Minnesota. You know, I noticed and, when I was yeah. there. How little the so many of the Norwegian Nor, Nordic families live there. All the kids mm-hmm. lining up in school were not just all white. Now it's quite mixed, oh, yeah. but it it was uh, yeah. they were all blue-eyed blondes, platinum. Yeah, I mean, yeah. really fair kids. I went, look at this. This is, looks like I'm in Sweden. You know, look look at these children. But uh, I remember well, the 35W bridge. Mm-hmm. The 35W yeah, bridge. Yeah. Well, and that's the first time when I looked and uh, saw how mixed uh, the the area had been. 
I remember when my sister came up for the wedding, she said, Kathy, I've been here. And we we grew up in Washington, D.C. I mean, that was like 80% black, okay? So it was, it was you'd think, I didn't even... I didn't even pay mind, but my sister said we went to the mall, and, and she saw a black lady shopping, you know. She says, Kathy, I've been here 10 days. This is the first black person I've seen. I guess that was back in 1975. Yeah. Yeah, well, but, I, I went to an all-white school. I went to school with, like, the Daytons and the Donaldsons and the Humphreys, you know. It was called Lake Minnetonka, where I grew up. Was I grew up in D.C. You want to name drop? Let's go for oh, it. <laughs> Oh, my God, that's you were rich, and you lived in a rich neighborhood. I go, no, I lived in the poor pocket, like in the DACA area. I said, you know, there's no poor part. I go, well, I can tell you. Was it pretty white when you grew up? It was all white except for one um, girl that was um, um, was um, Asian, Uh uh, but she was adopted as a baby with a white family, so, you know. Mm Um, she didn't so she know did, anything about we had, we had a love I had a, a great opportunity in Washington to have uh, not we lived in a more white area at that time. It got mm-hmm. black halfway through, but we still had so many children from overseas mm-hmm. because all of the embassy kids went to our school. We had kids, and yeah. they they were uh, they were foreign nationals, but it was neat. They yeah. had International Day. You know, we got yeah. to be Greek. I'm first. I'm first generation American Greek. Uh-huh. So, but, uh huh. So, so when I was in school, this is inter- interesting story. When I was in school, this girl came in middle school, and she was partially Native American, but I, I didn't, you know, even register that, you know, difference. But anyway, um, now there was um, always so a, a large Native American in Minnesota. I saw in the bathroom. I saw in the bathroom and Native started, American. I started talking to her, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm like the outcast. There's like four of us that sit at the table together and nobody will even sit around us because they don't even want to be associated, you know. So anyway, um, so I said, hey, you want to come sit at our lunch table? And she said, oh, sure. And it was really weird because I called her last year. We we got back together through this classmates and um, neither one of us will go back to the reunions because we don't want to see those people ever again, you know. But anyway, <laughs> You know, um, I said, you know, I just wanted to tell you, you know, how much I care about you and everything because I was just thinking the other day that, you know, I might never get to tell you that. And we talk and everything once in a while. But, I, you know, and she says, um, so I wrote to her Merry Christmas and then I wrote her that, you know. I didn't want to talk to her. That's right. I was texting her a message, whatever the hell it is. And anyway, she writes back to me and says, I remember when you met me in the bathroom, when I met you in the bathroom, she says, and you invited me to the table. She said, nobody else would talk to me the whole time when I first came to the school, and it was like in the afternoon, she says. And and um, you would not believe how much that meant to me, that, that you talked to me and invited me to your table so I could sit down and have lunch with somebody. And, I mean, tears started coming in my eyes, you know what I mean? Because I did not even realize that, you know, that that was that big of a deal. And it just, it brought tears to my eyes to know that, you know, maybe I did something that helped somebody, you know. Yeah. Well, as you were saying earlier, I think Cherie was saying you spend so many hours of your day in school around with your peers of uh, your same age and whatnot, and the bullying can get really bad. And I don't even want to go there because you don't want to tell 
I don't want to tell you what I think about the sexuality in school and why children are coming out thinking that they're not born with the gender, with the sex that they were they were born with, and that they you know go down this path. It's just heartbreaking, and uh, right. I think that this, I I just think that it's gaslighting to the hilt. I mean, you know, there's no child that's a they. You know, they're he or she, and that's that's just life. So right, I think I'm it's hoping meant that they to wouldn't. I, I'm hoping that the bullying didn't happen for that reason. It because did. it's really a confusion of the child, and he should be, he should be, uh, you know, um, treated as as such instead of treated. Well, the problem is, is nobody accepted me as who I was as a child, and I was so ashamed of myself that that I am going to support my grandchild under any condition, and I will. I have well, that's a pretty bad condition, but you know, that's, this is, well, that's you know, but my. I'm I hang understand. Up. It's not. It's not my child, but I'm going to tell you. I certainly won't play that game, and I certainly won't stand by. And We just had right now in Maine, and it came out in the news, and of course um, CBS won't pick it up, but um, the child was given she, a month after her 13th birthday, encouraged not to tell her parents. And See, that's what, that's what gets me. The schools are telling these kids not to tell their parents. It, like, the schools are, it's like they think they own these kids. And they're yeah, they are trying to take the parents' rights away from them, and that's not right. Only the parent knows what's good for that child. The right. school has nothing to say about it. Yeah. The child, the child should not be told that something is wrong and they need to have medicalization in order to be accepted. And that's another thing, I, I guess, and maybe because I did have a bit, even with the sexual abuse from the eldest brother, and he raped me and beat me and left me unconscious. He was a son of a bitch. But uh, um, I think that uh, it was it was good that I, ha- I had that backing because for the kids to need family and to be willing to step outside their family and think that this is better than my own family at home and it's encouraged it's it's just plain terrible it's just horrible so this little girl um was given the binder and they had encouraged her not to tell the parents the mother found it and she's just livid this just happened recently right here in maine wow and then the other lady she didn't want her daughter to get medicalized or have her breast amputated. So, you know, she's working really hard. And she went first non-binary, and now she's, you know, who knows what. But she uh, told the family that, no, my mother's not affirming my gender identity. And she's absolutely estranged from her daughter for that reason. And the uh, she just turned 18, and now it's, so it's been three years since she's even talked to her daughter. And uh, well, think about like, this. Um, I think it's uh, it's all designed to separate these kids from their families. It's designed to cause division between these kids and their families. You see, the school system and the teachers' unions—they want power. They are hungry. They are power hungry, and they're all for themselves. And so the only way for them to take control of the kids 
is to cause division between them and their parents and separate them from their families. You know, that's, well, divide them from their families. Maybe not physically, but um, mentally. And, and that's how these people get control. They brainwash Absolutely. these kids. But when they go into the gender affirmation uh, roller, I wouldn't say roller coaster because it's a train, a straightforward train. And uh, it's it's really terrible with all of the young adults now coming out and, and, and discussing openly how they were misled, gaslit. I think you had mentioned that too, gaslighting, you know, that uh, – and, of course, it's it's a very expensive and very profitable for those that like power. You know, and they give money right. to the power. You know, so it's uh, – a medical patient for life is a really bad thing. And, and I, I mean, I stood right. up. I stood up. I was working on a home house – Home association actually issue uh, condos, whatnot, a bill, and these, and I can't help it, but I call them Christian mob, and I don't even think they're Christian, but they hate gays, and they came in and they're real upset because the gays might get fired for you can't fire someone just for being gay. I, why would I fire somebody right. for being gay? I mean, he pays he, he he can fix the widget, he can he can do the do the carpentry or he pays his rent in my case. I had several gay tenants, but uh that you know that you can't anyway. It's just so totally different. So I stood up and uh, and and stood because the God, they were all Republicans. They were all upset. You know, they didn't want to be narrowed down to take a stand on this bill because this particular part of the country was very, very gay. <laughs> you know, it was a big, you know, big gay community. But uh, then it's totally different now. The uh, parades that we had then, you know, they weren't uh, having children watch porn on a, on a float. You know, this is just way beyond the pale and certainly not acceptable for children. And and it sexualizes children. They they, get, they think it's right. no big deal. It's no big deal. You know, I can be, I can make a choice to have whatever I want. And if, if you know, this 24-year-old guy wants to be my boyfriend and I'm only 13, who are you to tell me any better, you know? so Right. It's wrong, Division wrong, wrong. Division from the family. Right, grooming, gaslighting, yep. all of it, you know. I mean, we should be taught as children. I have mentioned this before. I think Victoria may remember when you're little and you're getting out of your diapers, and they call it potty training. Now, when I had my children, both of them, I knew the most important time was when they get into adolescence. Now, I want to make sure they make it through adolescence because that's rough. But uh, at any at any event... Um, they don't. They call it potty training, and that's really not what it is. Nobody trains a toilet, do they? They they teach the child to clean himself. That's a door. This is private. These are your boundaries. This is your space, you know. And you you clean yourself and you take care of your genitalia. You girls too, but particularly boys that aren't circumcised. They have to be taught to to clean themselves properly. And uh, right. I think that it. I think it's much different than training a toilet, but it's teaching a child to take care of his himself, including his genitalia, and call it what it is, a penis and a vagina, you know? And uh, 
you know, to make sure your anal things don't get into your vagina area, you know, it's important for cleanliness. So these things need to be discussed in, uh, in ch- with children. So I always had this vision, and someone's going to be a great writer like you, and how many, how many have we heard from, Victoria, coming in here, wonderful writers, songwriters, poets, and, uh, and just fill it the rest of it. Daddy never trained a toilet. Open the door. And Mommy didn't either. When I was a little girl or boy, Mommy and Daddy or whatever taught me how to take care of myself and go into it from there. But I just think it's important that children learn long before they get to preschool, let alone kindergarten. You know, we had another one here tell us, the kindergarten teacher, actually start telling what LGBT was. And she goes through lesbians or people who like lesbians and bisexual or people who like love people of both sexes and gee well, gay are men who like men now t okay. is different t is when you the doctors tell you you were born you know and and they assign you but later on you find out you're something else and you can then transition which means be a medical patient for life and mutilate your body no i don't think that's a good idea you know i just don't and i think it's horrible to gaslight children and tell them that they were born in the wrong body and that they have to change in order to be them, their true self. I mean, I, I understand people want to be nice, people want to be kind, but it's not kind to lie to kids, ever. Absolutely. Okay, hold on. Can can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, I can. Okay. All right, first of all, I've been listening to the whole show just, just about, okay? And I was really getting laughter out of this. Laughter is good for the soul because you guys were having a heavy-duty conversation. And it was funny as hell. And you were mentioning a little bit about bullying and some of this other stuff, and I like that because you have to bring in child abuse. But, and, and that's the thing, and I don't mean just child abuse. I called in tonight because I have never spoken to Cherie, okay? And I want, are, are you speaking now? Who, who is speaking now? Uh, it, the, the, I'm Sheree. All right, okay. Well, I'm Carol Levine, and I'm vice president of NASCA. Now, one thing we do not do, though, on the show is allow to go too much into, um, I agree what was said, by the way, about the school system. Stuff, though, should not be taking place, okay, in the schools. Absolutely not. And they're, they're, kids' minds are fragile, and when Absolutely. you start putting thoughts into their heads that maybe they're a girl instead of a boy or a boy instead of a girl, I consider that child abuse. Absolutely. And another, thing that I, and another thing that I saw actually on TV the other night on the news channel that I happen to like, and I'm only going to say this briefly because we're supposed to be covering child abuse and also supporting you know, what NASCA says, you hear our mission statement. But another thing, though, with the, uh, with the system uh, and also with the hospitals. Well, the hospitals care only about money. They yep, want absolutely. the system. They want the system to get kids all confused, all mixed up. They don't want them to talk to their parents. This is all true. Everything that you said was true. Absolutely. But And is it child abuse? In my mind's eye, yes, it is, and it's not right. Okay? It's not right. But what we can not do is... Okay, yeah. So, uh, you know, it it should be handled at home. And I, I've always said, and I've, I've worked as a counselor with those that were transgender and, uh, and other things. And, uh, you know, 
quite frankly, when you're a child and, and you don't know your sexuality, if you're all confused about sexuality, then you need a psychiatrist. You need to go and find out why you're not happy with your sexuality and why you're confused. And that's where it goes, and that's where it should stay, okay? Right. The school right. system should not have anything to do with it. It's against my law and principles and beliefs and everything else. And I get angry and I scream at the TV set at times because I see so much. I watch the news from morning till night. That's what I do. And right. <laughs> I'm going to go on 101.5 when the time is right. But um, the point is this. Okay, what we have to do here at NASCA, I was really enjoying the conversations you guys were, you had me laughing my ass off at times, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, I thought it was really pretty funny. And there's nothing wrong with having humor in the show. I think that's great, and I think it's needed, because so often we're a depressed spirit, are we not? Okay? Absolutely. So, so to share, I, I have nothing, no problems with people sharing. But when it comes to this gender stuff and the transgender, all the things that kids and the binary and all the things you were talking about, we don't really talk about that on NASCA because, you see, that's a personal thing. And I believe in my mind's eye, I may not be right, I don't know. But if I had a child who, um, you know, had a problem with their sexuality, I'm going to put it that way for maybe lack of better wording, I would have that kid and hopefully hopefully a good psychiatrist's office, and try to figure out why they're having problems. I mean, to me, if you look down and you have a vagina, you're a girl. If you look down and you have a penis, you're a boy. And if you can't deal wow. with that, if you can't deal with that, then you should go and get, you know, seek help and uh, maybe have get the light on why you're having problems with your own sexuality, Okay. Right. And I and that's that's my that's what I'm saying. That's what I do if I had a child that uh, you know wasn't sure what they wanted to be when they grew up. Okay. So, um, but wait, the rest of it it's a little heavy for the show because we're here to uh, lift each other up. We're here to talk about child abuse. I think there is good to have uh, diversity. I agree with that, but not to this extent because um, I don't want to give them the power. Okay, of even discussing there this what's going on, it should be stopped. It should be stopped. Right. It doesn't belong in the school system, and I become very angry when I hear all that stuff because they're ruining our children slowly. That's they are, and, and that's not child abuse in and of itself. Yes, it is. And as far as whether it's Republican or Democrat, whoever goes along with it, they're no good. That's all. Exactly. And, and they're ruining it has nothing to do with right. It has okay. nothing to do with with the party. It, That's right. Uh, it's the individual, whoever goes along with that, or even per, or participates in it. They're they're evil. It's it's demonic. Yes, satanic. It it's it's just the worst kind of evil. And the, and that's child abuse. Now I will go along with that. That's absolutely child abuse. But I don't think we should make go into it too much further because, again, if you read the mission statement, you know, you know, we speak about the abuses. But this is something that is political. It is truly political. It's because, not political. Oh, it's political, too. No, well, it's not. I have more, Demo more Democrat friends, even though the Republicans are speaking out. And uh, my Democrat friends, they're doing it for brownie points, too, only now. Where were they? Ten years ago, 
it five years ago, nowhere. They were quiet. But it's money, oh, just as you said. Yes. It's absolutely child abuse, and it certainly it should be. And everybody's important thing to, to do what we can to stop child abuse. And, and you know what? Because children, because children's minds are so fragile. I mean, they go, they're, right. they're talking even to uh, the the kindergartners from the last I heard. All right. Yeah. We Trying have, to, we have to a video of it here. Yeah. And you see, um, this for God's sake, um, my way of when I say political, whoever the party is, whether Republicans or Democrats, they should put a stop. And, and the uh, you know things like this does not belong in the school system. And I consider that in itself, yes, child abuse, because if a child was happy and you know uh, feeling good about themselves, and uh, and then all of a sudden they start fed all of this poison, I'm going to say poison at this point, because they, right. they were happy before. And then all of a sudden, a teacher says to the child, uh, you know, uh, Johnny or, or Sally, maybe you're really meant to be a girl or you're meant to be a boy. You know what I'm saying? You don't do that. And, and that makes right. the child confused, all right? And that is child abuse, and that's not right. What they need yeah, but is to go to Nobody's telling them not to do that. That's the well, issue. And not only that, no one should be bullied if they do. And that was what I was saying. What I was saying with Victoria's relative, uh, that is saying that they're con- they're sexually confused and considering some non-binary, that is, is something they go through. That's something they deal with. But that is nothing to be ridiculed for. At home, at home, deal well, with it at home. I mean, you know, I mean, if if you have a child who is sexually, well, well, the bullies at school. Yes, that's that's where. The uh, you know the the teachers and uh, you know the other people should come involved and say, listen here, you're going to detention, and I want you to write a um, a little uh, thing on uh, a, a report on why you shouldn't bully a person because maybe they're different. Kids hate right. to do that. They hate right. to have to write little uh, reports and say explain themselves uh-huh. and why they shouldn't do it. We're um, all and, different. That's yeah. absolutely ridiculous to bully this child for this absolutely. child's confusion. Right. Horrible. That is awful. It shouldn't be allowed. And uh, I blame the teachers for that. But if the teachers are so damn busy trying to get these kids to be a, a different sex, if that's what they're up to, then they're equally as, as guilty. Well, that's what happened here. And that's the, the whole system, whether it be in now and through the educational system, okay, our schools, or if it's other areas, someone mentioned detention centers before. You go to detention center, you don't learn anything there. I worked there. I know that. They don't have enough counselors there even to even work with the amount of kids who had been bullied in their homes and uh, bullied in school, and they became delinquent or suicidal. Right. So you see, the whole thing, it's everywhere that needs to be done over again. But I still say... Well, that when instead of um, before a parent now this again is just me my my thinking um, I'm putting it this way if I had a child that wasn't sure of their sexuality I would have the child go and get help and let's find out what their sexuality is okay and that's number right. one and it should be handled at home and God forbid if it's not handled at home. And, uh, you know, other people, that, that child is prey, P-R-E-Y. Right. Okay? Because a pedophile right. can tell if a child is, you know, they'll hold their head down. We've gone through all these things. 
They'll right. pull their head down. Just like we were talking the same talk thing. Yeah. Adults. And, and this, is, this is Victoria, and I would like to please ask you not to call me evil or a child abuser because I support my, God, my grandchild. Also, Bill says this does not belong on NASCAR. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But you guys are going heavy into it because I've been listening. You just so now I put, me and said it does not belong in the No, it doesn't belong on NASCAR. And I, I mentioned that earlier. So let's I know then, what you keep going on well, about well, it. Well, 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 I'm, I'm, I never spoke to Cherie before. Yo, yo, yo. I never spoke to Cherie before, okay? So I just had, wanted to have my own little conversation with her because in my mind's eye, what the teacher, what the school system is doing is, is, is child abuse. Exactly. And that's what we do, and that's what we're talking about on NASA is child abuse. I'm not pointing fingers at anyone who might have a child that we know right here on NASCAR. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the whole system itself. To me, that's child abuse. Right. And that's and not only that, school, uh, schools are, ha- and they have been doing this for decades. They are, they have slowly inserted themselves in what should be family matters. You know, with uh, you know the the telling kids not to tell their parents what goes on in the classroom, what they've been telling them. You know, they they are inserting themselves where they're not, they don't belong. I know uh, that. A lot of child people. abuse. But right. We can't, but we we can't speak about this anymore. You guys had a nice long talk about it. I added my two cents, and. Uh, so we can't hey, talk about that. It's not, look, it's oh, 929. Yeah. It's time to say goodnight, everyone. <laughs> Victoria, I never for one iota thought you were evil. Not for a moment. No. <laughs> no. Was never. Well, I spent the time I hung up until I got back on the phone crying my eyes out. Thank you very much. No, I, I never, ever thought for one moment that you were evil. I feel terrible for the confused children. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, you know? no, no, no. Everyone and, and you does. See, and, and quite frankly, yes, I, I, I think that's child abuse too. I was just agreeing with that part, and it doesn't belong in the school system. I think it's child abuse. Well, but I think, I said, I think that's, it's all child abuse. Right. I think yeah. NASCA should care about all child abuse. Right. That's absolutely. You know. and, well. and you guys were talking about it, so I put my two cents in, and I don't think anyone's evil in, in the, here or on the family or whatever, but. Um, I think what the school system is doing is evil, and I think that's okay to talk about because right. it is child abuse. But anyway, okay, I have said my say, and uh, it, it is over now, the show. I think I don't, I'm, I'm in my living room. I'm laying down because I have a headache. Now I really have a headache. <laughs> oh, I don't want you to get a headache. No, <laughs> I know, but that's why I didn't come on the show earlier, too, because I, I have a headache. I hope it doesn't turn into anything else. My kids got over covid and I wasn't around them though, so I think that um, I think it's just a headache. But anyway, it's nice talking to you. Lovely hearing your voice. Yeah, and like I said, it's okay to have. I believe it's okay to have some fun, you know, because it kind of jazzes the show up. And in the beginning, you guys were cracking me up. I was laughing my ass off. <laughs>